Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The memorable moment through all of it was walking through the Bunnings car park saying, it's a million dollar deal. It's an absolute million dollar deal. I'm, I know it is. I'm prepared to back myself through this. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Sham, and in this episode, we're back with Property Inc. founder, Melissa Fisher. She shares how she found a million-dollar deal simply from walking through a car park and then putting a plan into action that was supposed to be done in two years. Though, nothing goes to plan so having the right people on your side was crucial for her success. Continue on her journey, Fisher reveals how she found herself going down the property development route. It is almost a stumble at times. So I was involved and I say my, my previous partner who has since passed away was a concreter. Now, so I was, I was in amongst amazing projects. One of them that, that they did all the concrete panels and slabs and everything for was the One Thaggy Hospital when it was rebuilt. Um, Wool of My Surf Club was another one that we got to work on. So when I, a little bit of a sidestep with how they did things, I, I learned very much about the tendering process and pricing up projects, the extent that things actually go to and the depth of it. It's it's We see things on the surface and, and make a lot of assumptions. And there was a lot that went on behind the scenes that I learned from the processes of, of those projects and absolutely loved it. I loved the... The points of difference consistently, different areas you can play in. There was a lot of times when it was hands-on. I had no problems getting out there with a pair of gumboots on and, and a screed. Um, what I did learn was I'm useless on a wheelbarrow, just useless. Right? Gave it a go many times, said to the guys, I'll do anything else for you, but that's just not my gig. <laughs> and that's okay. We can't be good at everything, right? That was my one on start that I was absolutely hopeless at. Undeterred, Fisher was keen to learn. But I did learn a lot being being very hands-on, but certainly the the um, the paperwork side of things, the being able to work through the numbers, being able to see where it works, where it doesn't work, what needs to be changed. And, and then that also led through to working very closely with a lot of builders on those projects and a lot of the other trades because it's never... You're never, ever on a project on your own. So the interaction with those guys, seeing something from start to finish from a construction perspective then, this went, wow, this was amazing. So there was an absolute eye-opener to be involved in it, even only as a, a portion of. Concrete is the, one of the last things that are done are the final finishes on, on the concrete. So it's the, the final paths that go in, 
um, any work that needs to be finalised or, or sealed from a, a pavement perspective. Last job, so you get to see it at an absolute final stage looking amazing. And I loved that. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. So it was a bit of a lead-in. There was an excitement around it. There was a, a curiosity of what else, but not enough knowledge to go, let's just go straight into property development. This is this is what it's all about. Um, because they were sizable jobs from a standing start. Like There were many factory floors that were done and slabs that were done, and, and I, I got to lead teams through through that on various projects. Um, but again, never, never to a full development perspective. So leading into the property development was taking on a couple of smaller jobs. And funnily enough, and I will often talk about having land sitting, I, I'm not a land banking fan at all. If I'm going to have it, it's, it's got to be working. It's got to be doing something. For Fisher, the transition to property development required a lot of learning. Thankfully, she was able to grow both herself and her business. Even now, we'll buy um, an amount of vacant land and we'll, we'll have years of process to go through, but there are ways and means of making it make money so it's not we're not out of pocket for expenses, which was something I, I actually learnt over many, many, many years on how to do that. But I still had to get educated in, at some level. So it's where do I find the information now to actually take this on myself, to be able to step into something different, to be able to do it at a, at a different level. And I came across the I Love Real Estate community. So I, I spent time with, with Dimpner and her team and, and absolutely amazing levels of, of information that they give. And I mean, you only ever get out of something what you want. Right? If you, people can, can walk through the same, the same course or the same education and come out of it with very, very different outcomes. Okay? You've, got to, you've got to want something when you're going in and you've actually got to come out the other end being prepared to, to execute and utilise those things. So they gave um, a serious amount of, of information. And then from there, it was just to execute, have a go, try these things. So... First property, or so first property, property project, was starting our storage units, and I had to go back to ground zero to say where do I start? And it's from the beginning. It's out there talking to people. It's now reliving everything that I had learned over a lifetime of communication, collaboration. Um, don't give up. Persistence. Get out there and get started. So. Developed that from the very beginning. We did the subdivision, we did the, the constructions, got the business up and running, and then go again, do another lot, second round, do the same thing, you know it works, um, build some factories on that, maximise the capacity of that piece of land, constantly checking in on numbers. But the reality, if I was to, to say the, the absolute lead-in is the desire to work with people, the desire to be working for outcomes, not just... The, the concrete side of things was construction, amazing to see, but the development side of things is about the outcome we deliver to someone else. And all of the, everything in between is collaboration and teamwork and and good conversation and looking for solutions and, and how do we how do we formulate the best outcome? But development itself is seriously about being able to deliver a, a great outcome for someone or something else. It might be a community. Um, it might be for other businesses, whatever the case may be, it's, it's very much. Despite overcoming her learning obstacles, Fisher was determined to give back to the community with her developments. Balancing her drive for success and a desire for goodness, Fisher shares her startup experience. 
development for, and always has been from the smaller, what I learned a lot about our storage unit, first development, very much about who it's for, being able to create something that worked for the local area, for the local people using it, understanding their needs. When you can understand that the absolute needs of people and, and have those conversations and be okay to ask the questions, you can deliver an end result that works for them instead of just delivering an end result. Because we can all deliver an end result, um, but if it sits there and does nothing or if it's if there's no benefit back into a community, if there's, if there's nothing beneficial achieved off the end of it, well, for what purpose? And, and it's unfortunate because we see an amount of it and I, I take nothing away from anyone that's prepared to say build it and, and it'll work. I, it's, I, I certainly take nothing away from that because there's a, a lot of work and effort that has to have to go into that. And then once it's done, we're then looking at is that got to be um, retrofit to, to accommodate the new tenants coming in or the new owners. So it goes a little bit back to front where you can actually work with people from the beginning to create something that's beneficial, take them on a journey through it, let them see the the, the great and the, the challenge that also goes with, with creating their end product. They're very engaged in it. They're also very understanding when, when they see how things actually do happen. Nothing is a straight line, smooth sailing. It just isn't. So you've got to be okay that there's challenge along the way. Perspective is everything. Having found her new passion and acquired the new skills, Fisher needed a way to start. Thankfully, she already had one. My husband sat on that parcel and he'd had it prior to us meeting, um, had a, a parcel of industrial land that was the, the very beginning of a subdivision. So so the, the, the gentleman that had created the subdivision had pre-sold land, which was fine, um, common occurrence. However, when he bought it, he had done no research whatsoever on what he was going to do with it. And then we got together and, and I had a look at it with him and said, all right, well, let's talk to council. And we got no, 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 no constantly. The challenge with it was it's the location in the area that created an issue. Council had put it right up against some, some nice residential land and then they wanted full-scale, large um, building industrial on there and it's not possible. So it meant that nothing was going to happen for quite some time. It was going to take a while before they saw things differently or you could work through process to, to get anything on it. So it sat and it meant then eventually we had to go back and say, right, let's relook at it differently. We know that's not going to work. There's no point in even looking at it because we don't want to put large scale industrial there up against residents. We wouldn't like it. So let's not create that for someone else. But what can go there? So what businesses have minimal impact? What sort of opportunities could we put there which will have minimal impact on residents, will certainly be beneficial and there's a need for in the area? So a little bit of checking out the entire region and saying what does the region have? What's its growth like? What does is, what is a growth area need? And what's actually happening? And one of the big things we noticed was our land lot sizes were getting smaller. So we had gone from quarter acre lots down to, you know, at the time it was still seven, 800 square metres down to 600 square metre lots. So we're saying, well, okay, if our land size is getting smaller, where do we put all our stuff? Where does the boat go? Where does the caravan go? Where do the kids' toys go? Where does grandma's dresser that someone's storing go? Look, where do we put all this stuff? Well, yeah, good point. Where do we put it all? Ah, well, maybe we could put it in storage. Maybe there's a solution we could look at. Enthusiastic and passionate, Fisher had a unique way of finding out what people needed. I would go off 
true to form, I'd be in the supermarket or the line in the bank. And whoever would be in front of me was a surefire victim to be high. This is before you had self-serve. I was convinced that I created self-serve at the supermarkets. But people are just going, oh, do I have to answer all these questions? But I can't. <laughs> just curious. If you had to store something in storage, what would that look like? What would be the hard and fast you've got to have? And would often get, I, I've got to have good lighting. I'm not putting my stuff in storage. If I've got to go there at night, there's got to be lights. And most of the, look, most of the people I spoke to at that point were, were women. Um, don't want to get wet feet. If I have to go there and get something out, I don't want to be walking through puddles and stuff. Don't want to get wet feet. And there's got to be good security. I went, well, that's, that's not hard to, but the reality is, it never is hard. It's generally the little things, the simple things which make the big difference. So based on that, off we go. I'd had a look at some storage facilities and went, well, clearly that doesn't meet their brief and that doesn't meet their brief, so we won't do that. Um, let's have a look at what does. So we just designed it and said, well, let's give them what they want. Let's concrete it so then they're not going to get wet feet. We have good lighting outside, so when it's dark, it's always well lit, and we have good security cameras. So can we meet the brief quite easily without overcapitalizing on this? And then said, well, sure we can. Now it's quite simple. How many can I fit on here? What are the numbers look like as revenue? And then what's it going to cost me? So what are my outgoings going to be? And we went, wow, well, that's not bad. Well, as I say, I stumble into some of these things. Delving deeper into some of her lessons, Fisher imparts wisdom through her learning challenges. Much of it is about talking to people and working out what it is they need and then saying, how can we actually deliver that? And the simplicity of it. Those three simple things is all that had to be delivered. Everything else was optional. Those were the three things that had to be delivered. So we delivered them. We launched them. We gave ourselves two years to actually go from from zero to to full. Um, Had it done in, in 12 months. And, and went, let's go again, let's, let's build some more. This is very successful. So we had a waiting list for the second ones. So it scaled. Uh, we, learned, we learned size. We weren't learned that some size is better than other size. And, and if you're going to measure a boat, make sure you measure the drawbar as well because that's actually going to fit in the storage unit. Uh, so we said nothing, nothing's perfect. However, um, second time around, we... We mastered the size a little bit better and also catered for different target markets as well. So we have tradies that leave their tradies tools and tradies trailers in there overnight um, because their tools were getting pinched and things like this out of their trailers at night. So so we created bigger ones for them to be able to drive in, hook up, drive straight out with their trailers. So they're super happy guys. It really isn't in the whole scheme of it. Their challenge is the inconvenience of when they've got to turn up on site the next day and they've got no tools. So that was a big, a big tick for them, absolutely. And it saved them in fines off the council for having their trailer parked on the side of the road. And right, so a small price to pay um, ticks a lot of boxes. For Fisher, the number of projects have bled into hundreds. It's a really, it, it's, and it's interesting because I often get asked timeframes and I go, I've got to actually do a calculation in my mind to what age I was when I started doing something and work forward. I never know. Um, I'd have to be now if I included all residential ones in the hundreds of, of projects that we've actually done. Some are quite in and out, very quick renovations. Um, for a, a comparison for your listeners, I am the hard and fast that says a renovation is one of the hardest strategies to actually do. 
because it's the unknown. You are working with the unknown and that is very, very challenging from a starting position. So I hear a lot of people lead in with a, a let's start my property journey with renovation. Um, I'd advise against it, to be honest. There's a lot to learn before you actually go into that. But I have done an amount of them. I've done some very quick internet renovations, make money along the way. Um, I've done some house constructions and, and held and sold and all kinds of things. But the majority now have been in industrial commercial space and then the, the property developments and subdivisions. The road to success is never easy and it certainly wasn't for Fisher. Thankfully, she was able to not only overcome her challenges but learn important life lessons. There's so many because there's not a project that I'll actually do that I won't learn something out of along the way that I'll always look at and go, okay, what would we do differently? If we were if we were starting that project again, knowing what you know now, what would I do differently? And I, so I will always do that and say there's always something that you can learn out of a project irrelevant to how many times you've done it. However, of all the projects I've done, challenges I've had, Two major standouts. One was the first lot of storage units that I engaged um, a civil company. They had their own everything in-house pretty much um, to, to assist with the planning and, and, and the um, engineering on it and over-engineered the drainage to a dollar figure of about $40,000. Now, this whole storage unit project only cost land and everything only cost me just over 500000 So $40,000 extra to have spent on drainage. I'm thankful the project was as successful as what it was because otherwise that could have really hurt. But it was a massive, massive learning and I didn't know until the second lot. Just worked with a different company on it. And, and I said to him, the last lot of drainage that we actually did was, and I explained it to him, and he looked at me and he just went, why just why and I said well because that's what the engineers did that's that's so I I learned a lot about drainage off the back of that one the expectations of council how we can design things better to actually get a better end result without having to spend that much money um so a massive massive learning curve on on having consultants on a project that are not qualified for that project and that is either too qualified or underqualified and they were just too qualified. They like they over-engineered that size development. So I learned a lot about that, and I've, that's it's a constant in the back of my mind when I'm engaging new teams for various different projects, especially after doing really big ones. If we take on a small sideline project, being very very conscious of who's actually on that that suits the project, suits what we're looking for, um, and understands it at that level. Unfortunately for Fisher, the road was not steady yet. The global pandemic brought with it yet another obstacle to overcome. The other one was COVID and it's probably everything during COVID. We were neck deep plus some in hospitality through COVID. I was super proud of everyone that I got to work with through through COVID. Some of the hardest times in multiple industries and business that I've, I've ever seen, but also some of the best opportunities. And it was it was a tough gig for everyone I say psychologically, emotionally, and then you've got business to deal with as as well on top of that. Um, So we had just contracted on a new pub just before COVID hit. Unconditional. Went unconditional just before COVID. Um, So went, well, there's that game plan out the window because that's really never going to work. So what are we going to do? Which meant we had to do everything from a business level and a project level out of sequence, back to front, just, it was just shake it up and go, okay, 
no is not an option. We can't, we, when I say we can't back out of it, we spoke to the lawyers about the contract and they said, look, we can fight it based on, we sat down and when integrity comes in at levels as well, where you go, but hold on, everyone's going through the same thing, right? Where does that actually leave things? We signed up for this. Can we make it work? How do, how do we actually work through this? And it was at that point we went, all right, we're moving forward. Unsure on how this is actually going to play out, but we what we're going to do is instead of opening and building the business and then looking at renovation and, and some changes, um, we're going to shut the business down because we have to <laughs> and renovate and, and And again, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing here. Who knew it was going to last as long as what it did? We had mapped it out for launches to open and go on, oh, okay, well, clearly that date's not going to happen and clearly that date's not going to happen and now we've got banks that are yelling at us and and we've got vendors that want us to settle and we're going, well, it's just one step at a time. You've got to make this work. You've got to find other solutions. You've got to look at it differently. Super happy we employed 26 people through it so we actually got people working and business was one of the toughest, that was one of the toughest challenges is having learned vital lessons fisher shares some of this wisdom now it's still being able to be forward focused and keeping some sort of forward momentum trying to motivate the community and to supporting business and then and then, then each day going home going oh now here's the the stack of bills that we <laughs> we have to work through and unfortunately from a government perspective because the ABN was registered on the date that it was, we couldn't get JobKeeper, we couldn't get any any COVID grant or anything through it. So we're going, well, that makes it a little bit more challenging. And and I was in, in this with a business partner who was an amazing guy. Um, he was an incredible builder, and and he's sitting there too, going, how the hell do we make it work? When when do we when do we give up on this? We went, well, you know, you, giving up is not an option. I, so we know that the given here is if we give up, it's going to hurt. It's really going to hurt. Um, if we look at other solutions, then then we've got a fighting chance of actually finding a better way out of this, a better end result. Um, we did, we got a lease on it. Some, again, incredible women that took on a lease that were amazing in the industry that said, no, we can do incredible things with this. So we said, fine, let's work through this. So everything's great while everything is great. Well, if you're starting while everything's not great, you say it can't get much worse. Let's formulate leases. We know we know what worst case scenarios are, scenarios are. So it should be a little bit. Um, it should be easy to get through this with with some great end results. So we did. We got all leases in place. We ended up putting it to auction. We didn't get what we would have liked, but we certainly came out of it okay. We auctioned it off. It went to an offshore investor, which is. That's probably the hardest part for me is that it didn't remain local. This pub's like 100 odd years old. It's an amazing building. So much more potential that we couldn't actually um, see through to the end. We we said there's a point in time where we went, if we if we pass this on now, the business, we've got good people in there operating. Um, we bring an investor in that will do well out of it. Um, it clears the debts. It means that everyone's okay. It works. So there's certain decision making that, that happens along the way. Um, at no point is there a we've got to give up, but you do have to be able to make strategic decisions at times, and it's tough. It's it's tough because you can have a vision that you want to create and be very aligned with it, and and know that it's going to bring great benefit, um, but certainly have to look at things from a a perspective of of what happens now if we if we make that choice and you are so much in the unknown. 
can you pull it off? And when you're not in business on your own, when you've got partners, business partners, there's a lot of people to give consideration to and employees to give consideration to that we said, well, we have an overseas investor that's prepared to to buy this off the, off the lease. Um, so now we know it's going to survive. So if that's the worst case scenario, um, that's not so bad. That's not so bad at all. And, you know, off that, lots of other good things happened. We met, we made great relationships with different people. We bought new trades in, which were fantastic. None of it was without challenge. None of it was without a whole lot of heartache through COVID. Um, but like I said, super proud of all the teams that, that put in and still being able to get it through to a, a very saleable product that's still doing quite well up there now. So... Coming up after the break, Fisher reveals her biggest success. The memorable moment through all of it was walking through the Bunnings car park saying it's a million dollar deal. It's an absolute million dollar deal. Fisher's beliefs on the impact of luck on success. Being able to back yourself, believing in things, how you see things, um, the stories we tell ourselves, all of that plays a, a massive part in success. She explains the importance of having the right people by your side. So sometimes you've got to stop and breathe and say, okay, so who do I need around me? Who do I need around me? Have those conversations. Do you want to be involved? It's not a it's not a solo game. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Despite all these challenges, Fisher has comforting words for her audience. Determination can overcome anything. When times were tough and there were there were many days that, that we were just sitting there saying, we've got to get this open, we've got to get to the point where it's open. And then it's just the next step. It's the don't look too far in front of yourself. What is the next step that's going to keep this moving? Um, there, were some, there were some super challenging times, which I could then draw on previous points in life to go you don't give up there's always there's always a way forward there's always another choice to make another decision to make that that can keep things heading in the right direction and there's always someone else to speak to there's always another agent another opportunity so yep it was it's definitely one of the ones that that certainly stick as as one of the most challenging moments um but but I can sit with Tyrone and honestly say no project no realistically no project is without challenge now we want to see it and then and then it's what you do with that that makes the ultimate difference. Of course, Fisher has many more wins than losses. She uncovers some of the most memorable and rewarding moments. I love this. It's so for all of the projects, I will always have a, um, a deeper attraction to what end result we can create and and, and what the overall benefits in these things are. So there's there's always soft spots with every every development that I do. I say we don't get attached that emotionally to it, but we certainly get connected with with every project that I'm doing. Um, so a lot of aha moments and a lot of, of great benefits. But one in particular, which is a massive, massive aha moment, was a group of shops that I did in Melbourne. And I had gone, funnily enough, I'd gone down to the auction to have a look. And I was only going down there to have a look at who was in the market, what this actually looked like. Nice little group of shops. I hadn't done due diligence on it. I'd, I'd asked for the IM. I'd, I'd kind of looked through it and going, yeah, that's it's cool. It's interesting. Um, let's just go and have a look and see what it looks like. I'm not. In, that is outside of my ability to to buy at that point in time. So I turned up at the auction, and of course, the auctioneers as they are. 
right, they're right there and they want to have conversation and they're, they're seeing who's interested, who's not. Anyway, so I had a conversation with him and I said to him, so what are you expecting to get for this today? And I literally had no idea at the time what they were expecting for it. They had not, they'd not mentioned anything. He said, oh, what, five million plus? And I went, all right, okay, it's interesting. So by now I might just check out and go for a walk and, and have a look around this property. And I just went, wow, really? That's okay. I, I, in my mind then I'm just questioning how and where does $5 million fit into this? Like like I, I need to now kind of work that out and that's just the curiosity that kicks in that says, right, you've got to kind of quantify this because that was definitely not a number that I was expecting to hear. So I start walking around, I'm listening to everyone else going, oh, my God, this is horrible. So much work to be done to this. Look at the, everything needs to be redone. Don't like the structure of it. And I walk around going, you know, it's not really that bad. It's some paint. Yeah, a couple of tiles we need to replace. It's not It's not the end of the world. It's a little bit ugly, but not the end of the world. And I thought, well, that's just an interesting perspective. Never thought much else of it. Radio silence at the auction. Not a thing. Not a bid. Not a anything. So I was going, well, that was a bit deflating. Um, all right, I'm out of here now. I'm off. I've got things to do. We actually had the auctioneer chasing us to the car. Right? Going, oh, they're not going to let go, are they? And I just said, no, 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 mate, we're out. I'm not interested. And I was actually going into Apple at Fountain Gate and they rang and said, listen, um, we, we, you know, we know you expressed an interest in the IM, blah, blah, blah. Um, would you still be interested in, in putting an offer in if we gave you some time? Don't really care what the offer is. And I went, well, I could, but it's certainly not going to be the number that you are. But I can't, I, I, I'm still struggling with that at the moment. I said, but if you give me 24 hours, I'll do some due diligence and I'll come back to you. And he said, all right, fine. So we bypass Apple and home and let's make a few phone calls, crunch some numbers, get some information that I needed. And I literally spent 24 hours chasing information, speaking to some incredible people in the industry about the potential and, and what the cap rates were and what the square meter rates were for lease. What, what does this actually look like as a value proposition at the moment? And then what can I do with it to, to get it to where it would be worth more? And then what is that gap in the middle? What does that look like? Is that gap big enough for me to be able to say, well, I'm prepared to have a go um, or is it not? And it was. The gap was big enough. And I went, wow, okay, so if, I'm, if, I'm, if I can believe in the fact that I can do this, the starting position is not, is not as bad as what one would think. And then the ending position is, is quite good. So how the hell do I fund this? For Fisher... And no, it's just a sign to try differently. Of course, she finds another way. For many years earlier, okay, about the nose. <laughs> How am I going to do this? So I actually spoke to some, um, let's say, private lending entities and said to them, what is a worst case scenario? If I couldn't get real dollars, if I couldn't actually fund this, then what can I get from you? What do you need? And then, and then what is it going to cost me? Because in my mind, I just needed to know how long did I actually have before I ran out of ability to, to do anything financially. So the, he came back to me and he said, well, it's going to hurt. If you got to settlement date and you couldn't settle on it, we can fund it so we can actually, we can settle for you, but you're going to be paying 3% a month. And I went, okay, 3% a month is more than what I even remember back in the days of 18 to 20%, okay? So I'm like, wow, okay, so that that hurts, yes. 
So then I, I went, okay, right, so what are, what is the lease going to bring in? What is this going to look like? So then how much do I actually have? How long would I be able to sustain that before it really seriously hurt? So I went, okay, best case, worst case scenario. I know what the worst case scenario is. Am I prepared to have a go? So I went, sure. I'm very confident that I have got a big chunk of money that I can create uplift and that the days on market are low enough that I should be able to sell this quite easily. It shouldn't be a big deal if you sell it in smaller pieces. Their only problem is they're trying to sell it as a whole and it's outside of the affordability of most people. So it just makes sense. Cut it up, let's sell it off in smaller pieces. So it seemed quite simple at the time. I mean, it was quite simple. The beauty of it was it already they were already individual titles. The, the owner was just lazy. He didn't want to sell it independently. So I said, okay, that's fine. So I put an offer into them of $3.85 million. And I said, that's it. I said, um, I said, but I need six months. I said, I need a six-month settlement, um, but that's all I can give you. That's what it's currently worth today as it sits. So they said, we'll come back to you, which they did. Within 24 hours, they came back and said, we'll accept the price, but you can only have five months. I want more money, less time. No, no, that was their only their only gig. So I said, okay, fine. I said, oh, by the way, I need to be able to market this. I need to be able to get in, clean up, tidy up, get work done. I'm not going to upset the tenants. They said, that's fine, done. Sign, sealed, delivered. A couple of days, contracts were all signed. And, and it was work boots on and you're down there. And it was the biggest cleanup I've ever had to do. And so began the long stretch. There was inches of grime on windows that just made this place look dingy. Just some replacement appliance, paint the outside of it, clean up the arcade. We put a nice mural on the inside of the arcade wall um, and, and went straight to auction. We put it up for auction. So, so I used a different agent that I'd been doing the numbers and everything with and said to him, how long do you need to market? Then he said six weeks. I said, right, well, you best start marketing now because I've only got five months and you've got to be settled in five months. So let's work backwards. So we said, fine, let's do it. So very vibrant, very enthusiastic. Signs went straight up for a re-auction. Um, individual titles, they did a great six-week six marketing campaign. We held the auction totally totally cleaned up, repainted, looking smick. It looked totally different building. Had a budget of $100,000 from start to finish, which had to include everything, including my marketing agents, which we didn't We didn't tip it over, over budget. And this is where I say commercial renovations are not a big deal. They're generally pressure washers, paint, um, nice clean slate for tenants to work with. We're standing at auction and I heard the same noise as I heard at the previous one. In my 24-hour due diligence, this agent I spoke to, we spoke about the what's plan A, what's plan B, what's plan C. Like, I know I've got five months. So if, if plan A doesn't work, we need to know what plan B is and launch into it straight away. We haven't got time to muck around. So we, we had gone into this with, we're not going to put tenants in all of them because we want to get owner occupiers in as well. We don't want to close the door to owner occupiers and we don't want to waste time on chasing tenants that early. So we, we launched the auction with some vacancy and certainly um, some tenanted buildings. When the there was no noise at the agent, the agent turned around and said, okay, so who's really here to buy? And we had a predominantly Vietnamese market. And they said, oh, yes, yes, we're here, to, we're here to buy, we're here to buy, let me talk to you, let me talk to you. So so, so very different environment. I hadn't seen anything like that and went, wow, 
So there was all bark two that sold on the day at auction. Because we don't give consideration to it. We just say this is what we do. We have an expectation that people engage in it and it works. Um, to, to his, to, to, to actually, to really point out the benefit of good agents and certainly he could have said, oh, well, that was pointless. But he did, because again, not prepared to give up. When right, guys, who's actually here to buy? Um, and they were like, yes, yes, me, me, me. So there was, like I said, only two that didn't settle on the day. They settled not long after, um, met our five months, very happy. We were very happy. A property development project is never fully done until it's sold. For Fisher, her celebrations were on hold while she faced a minor bump on the road to a million dollar deal. The challenges of um, the owner who had turned around and said, I don't think I want to sell anymore. So I don't, I don't think I want to settle. He's seen it looking nice. Um, so he became a, bit of a challenge saying, you're going to make money out of, out of me. And I went, well... I'm actually making money out of a choice that I made and, and yes, a choice that you made as well. Okay, so let's be fair. You accepted what was fair and reasonable for you. Um, he was very frustrating at times and he did. He delayed settlement to the third time. The third time we turned up at the settlement offices, which used to be above the bank. Um, we turned up there armed with cash, with checkbooks, with cards, with you name it. I said, we want to be in first settlement for the day, so I've got all day. So he can't not settle today, is it? Third time round, it's going to happen. Um, and it did, it happened that day. The the memorable moment through all of it was walking through the Bunnings car park saying, it's a million dollar deal. It's an absolute million dollar deal. I'm, I know it is. I'm prepared to back myself through this. We know we'll get there. Absolute and utter belief in it and feeling that just with the all knowing that we know there's going to be a challenge, but we'll get it across the line. Very okay with it. And I very distinctly remember that entire day, what the weather was like, everything about it. Um, to come out the other end, I'd kept the air right. So for me, as much as we made money on it, I wanted the air. I want to put digital signage up there. And then what does that look like? So I spent good money on lawyers to create this, the, the lease first for the airspace and then the title that sits up there, which is our air, um, to put digital signage on it which can return $100,000 a year, which gives it the value of a million dollars. I referenced that to that moment in the Bunnings car park, the aha, this is absolutely a million dollar deal. And went, yeah, it is, the thin air is, the th which is where I learned about air, air rights and, and playing in that space was just amazing. The creativity that came off that project, because we had to, we had to be creative to be able to do it in the time frame. You've got to be solution orientated. You've got to be able to talk to your your um, agents and and the vendor even when they're frustrated and work through things with them. You've got to be able to talk to potential buyers. So there was it it, it brought in so much of what I've learned over the years to say just take it another step further. You mightn't be able to afford it. But money's not the biggest issue. And and I teach this to students now. I say if the deal stacks up. Literally, if the deal stacks up, we can work it out financially. If it doesn't, then the money's never going to be there. You're never going to get someone to invest or anyone to lend if the deal doesn't stack up. So look at the deal first, then you've got to 
believe in it. You've actually got to believe in what you're creating, that there is a saleable market for it or, or a desire from tenants to actually want the product you're creating. Then there's the financial side that will work out along the way um, and back yourself to the end. Don't ever, ever give up. So it is one of those projects that delivered so much on so many levels. We made very good money financially out of it. I got to keep the air right, so that's amazing as well. Um, another little asset and another little gold nugget which heads off in different directions of things you can do, future potential development, all of those things. Um, so it's one of my favourites um, because it brought a lot of challenge, brought a lot of reward, and it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Quite long days, but I had a lot of fun doing it. I love seeing people enjoying what they're doing, even when it's challenging, even when you know you're out there doing some long days and it can be hard work and all of these things. Um, when you enjoy it, when you are delivering something back to tenants, and because I've been in business, it's important for me to make sure that if I'm bringing tenants in or I'm working with them at that level, that we deliver something that's worthwhile to them as well, that works for them as well. So to be able to do that, you've got to love what you do. You just have to. You've got to, you've got to do it day to day. You've, you've got to enjoy it. So I said, there's nothing good. Well, Melissa, you've achieved so much over this time. Um, you've run multiple successful businesses, multiple projects and property development and stuff. How much of that do you think has been because of your skill, intelligence, hard work, and how much of it is because of luck? So I can sit there and hand on heart say, it's not because of education. It's not. I'm not, I, I, I finished school, I say I finished school at 16. Whilst I was good at school, I finished school at 16, I completed year 11. So it's not because of being highly educated or any university degrees or anything like this. I say a lot of my success comes from being curious enough to question a lot of things. Um, certainly mindset plays a massive, massive part in, in success. So it's perspective orientation, being able to back yourself, believing in things, how you see things, um, the stories we tell ourselves, all of that plays a, a massive part in success. Um, being able to speak to people, ask good questions when you don't expect you know everything. I certainly knew nothing when I started, but my level of curiosity and ability just to ask questions, to not give up, um, again, plays a big part in it. And be able to reflect back over the good and the not so good. So always look back at how far you've come, what you've learned, what you've done. Be able to be proud of it. Be able to be able to recognise the achievements that you've had but then also check in on the challenges along the way and say, what would I do differently? What could I do next time that, that is going to stop that challenge from happening? Or who do I need to speak to so that doesn't occur again next time? So, so definite check-ins on all of that. Is there, like I said, we create our own luck, right? And we create luck by being able to take step number one. Let's go, let's have a go. Let's head in this direction um, and stay positive, don't beat yourself up over something that didn't go perfectly. Like no one expects you to be perfect. We're all our, our own harshest critics and worst enemies. Um, we need to stop that. It doesn't do us any good at all. And certainly, you know, I so say you get to choose who you play with. Play with the right people, right? Play with people that want to be doing what you want to do. Don't try and force people on that journey, right? You attract the right people into what it is that you're doing, Um and, and actually give some recognition to that because we can all sit there and go, I want, I want, I want. Why isn't it happening for me? So sometimes you've got to stop and breathe and say, okay, so who do I need around me? 
Who do I need around me? Have those conversations. Do you want to be involved? It's not a it's not a solo game, and nor should you want it to be. So there's no one thing that adds to the success or the failure of anything. It's a it's a compound effect of choices that we make. And I say for success, um, it's forward thinking, it's solution based, it's wanting to do it not just for the money and not just for ourselves, but the benefit and the impact that we deliver to other people. For listeners out there that want to learn more about Fisher's projects, they can connect with her through her own digital platform called Property Inc. The platform is super exciting. A lot of it's come off the back of everything you've just heard. How can we do things differently? How do we make it easier for people? I coach students as well. So some of it is, is how do I get to interact differently with them? How do people get to pull a great team together if you don't know how to do it? Because I'm very big on, on our teams and what that actually looks like. Where do we find the resources? How do you find the good deals that aren't on market? How do I go from renovation into commercial? There were so many questions that constantly kept coming up that I went, there's got to be an easier way to put this in front of people, to be able to give people a place to, to learn, to be educated, to interact with the right people, to go from where they're at to where they want to be a little bit easier, to, to, to find someone that they need on a project or to ask questions and, and get given the right answers. So all of that um, came down to, all right, how do I create this um, and how do we utilise technology? Because whether we like it or not, it is here to stay. So we may as well lean in, use it and make sure that we do it in a way that it is collaborative and works for everyone else. So so it's really exciting. I have the most amazing team on on the tech side of things and and the, the oh, I said it's the marketing, but the, the joint venture side of things because... When I say property is not a solo game, life's not a solo game. So everything we do is about who we're doing it with and being able to expand any offering that we have into the multitude of amazing coaches and education and things that are out there, as well as the amazing consultants that we work with and many others right across the country and right across the globe eventually. So um, it was very much about let's bring this into amazing technology give everyone the opportunity to go from wherever they are today, irrelevant to where that is, to where they want to be with the resources around them, the platform to operate it from, the education that's there if they need it, and then the community to be able to interact with and and share successes, ask questions and, and all of those things that come with it. So super excited. I'm very grateful to the team because they're very proactive on, on how they do things. Um, some great thought processes around how this is is um, coming together. A lot of my team from my projects have had input into this, including some of the agents that I deal with with the new product that's that's coming out. So, like I said, super proud of it. Another little sideline that that had to happen. It was one of those. There's so many challenges in this industry that we we want to actually make it easier, better, and and certainly give it a different um, perspective because it's not necessarily seen in the greatest light often. It's not represented well. So to be able to, to be able to do that would be absolutely incredible. So I'm going to give you a whole heap of links. Property Inc. is the platform. You can actually you can actually jump on and look for Property Inc. now. It's free to get on. It's it's You sign up. It's just a, a name and an email address, I believe. Um, actually gets you in. You can have a look around. We do everything from mindset stuff through to projects that are on there. Um, but the team at the moment are launching some incredible stuff over the next week. 
But I'm going to give you some links, QR codes, and I'm sure we can come up with something exciting for your listeners um, that allows them some some maybe exclusive access to have a peek at things. Um, they're a little bit special for them. So I'll make sure that there's a, a promo code or something for those guys. Make sure they feel a little bit special and rewarded. For now, Fisher leaves us with a parting advice. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. It was absolutely wonderful having a chat with you and and share my story. Um, as interesting as what it can be when I have to speak it as well as what it was when I actually lived it out. So I wish your listeners all the very best as I do you um, for everything that you do but also to all your listeners and their great successes wherever they actually head into. Remember, just back yourself. There's no need to ever give up. There's always another option. Thank you to Melissa Fisher, our guest on this episode of Property Investory.